1: You're listening to the Hunt and Land Man Podcast. This is Slade Priest, your host, the Hunt and Land Rack Buck down here on opening day. If you're interested in rack bucks and real estate and everything that has to do with hunting property, this is the podcast for you. Well, here we go, the Huntin' Land Man podcast. I'm looking up the number right now. We're on about forty three or something like that. I can't find the number. But anyway. Forty two. Okay. I was close.
2: Something like that. It's very close.
1: We got cameraman Caleb on here, and we got Hunter in the studio also. We got a pretty cool topic today, but before we go um, any further, uh, as always, this, the Huntland Man podcast is brought to you by Southern Eye Credit. They take great care of us. I'm doing some deals with them right now. We got a really big one that Caleb and I teamed up on and uh, our broker, Scott Lindsay, Deer Creek. Uh, got that under contract, so that's a, uh, and, and um, we're working with Southern Ag Credit on that deal, so they can take 30 acres, or they can take like that one is 1,200 acres, they can take it all, and uh, Caleb, thank you for being on here today, this is going to bring me to my first topic, being that we talked about, um, we talked about Deer Creek, um, this episode is called Early Season Bucks, and you know, what we're doing, this is being recorded, what is this, uh, J- June twenty eighth. So we're midsummer. We're not that far away from deer season. It's 150 degrees outside, but we're not that far away. I was gonna give y'all a real estate report real quick. Um, market's hot. We got 10 pending. We got two closings this week. Uh what day is that closing you have this week? When is that? Friday. Friday. Okay. I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. Anyway, Caleb's got a closing uh on Friday. I've got one uh on Friday as well. And uh, we just got a lot going on, man, 10 pending, some big stuff, some small stuff, a lot of good listings coming online. And um, I think we're headed into a really, really hot third and fourth quarter. I really do. And I don't mean heat, even though it is hot, but I think it's going to be good.
2: And even the residential market's picking up. I'm keeping up with a lot of that in the Natchez area, and that's even picking up as well. There's a lot of new listings coming online.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's, it's good right now. It really is good. Um, Hunter, if you will, hit Caleb's audio up just a little bit, uh, same as mine. I was having a hard time hearing him on the mic. Anyway, um, market's good, man. It's always a good time to invest in real estate. And if it can go from 4% interest to 8% interest and the market still stays good, you know that's a good investment. And that's where we're at right now. All right, early season bucks. All right, I thought this was a really good topic because... That's what we're getting ready for. I mean, it ain't, it ain't no if, ands, buts, or about it. We're in deer mode. In fact, when we get done with this, we're going to uh, go look at a track of land real quick that uh, I'm looking to purchase. And then we're going to check some trail cameras that I put up on some salt licks. I put out some backwoods um, lick and grow, and we're going to go freshen those sites up. And check those cameras, make sure everything's rolling. Because deer are just starting to get where we can start maybe identifying shooters, who they are. Now, some of them are barely at their G2s, but some of them are... Caleb saw one other yeah. day. He thought his frame was basically done, which means, you know, maybe his tines, of course, aren't grown. But we can start here in the next couple of weeks identifying shooters. And uh, that goes into our topic. So, what you know, if you're like us and a lot of people, you know what made it through the season. Or what deer you'll be hunting next year. Okay, well, there's so many things you can do now to create success for October and now in Mississippi, the velvet season. So, uh, you know, some of the things we're doing, for instance, on a track of land right down the road on 284, we put in those couple food plots. Mm-hmm. We've done some work. we got a little bit more work to do. Um, it's always, you know... I'm not saying that equipment and stuff always bothers deer. Sometimes it does. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it doesn't. A lot of times it doesn't. Let me say that again. But if you got to do some work, why not go ahead and do it now so you can focus on more deer things. Uh, If you're building food plots, expanding food plots, liming food plots, you know, if it takes a long uh, time for lime to come active. Now, something we're doing, you know, with the uh, deer grow products, dude, speaking of. Early season. How would y'all think about the pea field on the way in?
2: They're looking green and lush.
1: They are. I've gotten a couple good rains on them. So I plant bachelor pad from Backwoods Attraction. And what bachelor pad is, is um, it's iron clay peas ca- are called cow peas. Alice clover, which is a summer clover. A lot of people don't know about Alice clover. It's one of my favorite products in southwest Mississippi to plant in summer for deer and joint vets. So three of the best Mississippi, Louisiana, Southeastern Conference products mm-hmm. you can plant. They're doing good. I've got five acres out here coming up good. I got another rain on them yesterday. And, uh, man, whatever I did, if it's the deer grow and no-teal uh, or it's the backwoods, something's working because it's, it's coming good.
2: It's a combination. of used a bunch of good products.
1: Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. I mean, if you're going to take the time to do it, you know, we fertilized good. Uh, we got our soil right, and we planted good seed, and we covered it and took good care of our ground. So a lot of good things going on. And these are the things you can do early season to create success. So I planted that field. I still have some more bachelor pad. I'm going to plant another field or two here around the house a little closer to the season, just kind of I'm feeding them all summer with that big field, and and hopefully it will continue to do good on into September, October maybe. But I'm going to plant some in my smaller food plots, more kill plots, a little closer to where I think we'll be killing them. Um, And uh, Ryan Wascom is actually going to be planting some, too. I got him some seed he's going to be doing, too. So we're all gearing up. You know, we're establishing shooters with mineral sites, feeders. You know, we're all feeding that new, um, you know, the new backwoods. I'm drawing a blank. It's got my face on the bag. Uh, the protein pro- Plus. Protein Plus, yeah. Protein Plus, and the deer eating it good. I've also got some of my spots going with um, with the uh, roasted soybean, the flame kissed soybeans. And, and so that's something else you can do this time of year. You know, figure out if you've never introduced your deer to a certain type of feeder or something, you can. Kind of trial and error. Don't, let's
2: not get ahead of ourselves. I got some questions.
1: All right. All right. Here we, we Okay. Here we go. Okay. So, Caleb, a little background on Caleb. Caleb grew up hunting in uh, small tracts of land, a lot of leased, and a whole lot more public ground. So, since he's been working with me and hunting with me, you know, we're hunting a lot more private ground. So, a lot of these things come more into play. And I think we can learn something from the questions that Caleb's going to ask, uh, because I think it's the same question as a lot of y'all ask. And uh, you know, he can take some of the knowledges he's gotten from hunting public ground and things like that and apply it to this and some of the knowledge that I hope he's learning from me and learn himself on this private ground stuff. And it ultimately, it makes us better hunters and it makes us better agents because we are practicing what we preach and our clients. We're not playing land realtor. Yeah.
2: Know. and I mean, what, you know, there's so much you can learn about deer at the end of the day and like, Deer that walk around on 36,000 acres of public land generally act a little bit different than deer that act on a 2,000-acre you know, ranch or something like that. They just act different because they, they see more people. They respond to feeders differently. Deer in the middle of a big public piece have, that have never seen a feeder or a truck or anything, they respond differently to a truck when it drives by or when a feeder, if they hear it go off. So, there's a lot that can be learned just about the animals in and of themselves. So, I wrote down some questions, and this is questions that I don't necessarily have because I feel like I know the answer to now, but it's more of things that I feel like we need to address. So, three topics. I'll go ahead and expose them now, and then we'll get to them. All right. We're going to talk about. Yeah, I'm going to expose one real quick. We're going to talk about uh, feeders, food plots, and cameras okay and how those come into play to help you be successful pre-season early season and then right in the middle of the rut alright so first let's talk about feeders let me say this a lot of people in the south you know if you're like me you, you don't hunt over feeders because you grew up on public land or whatever get over it if you're not baiting you waiting right
1: that is uh that is rack book, uh elations 322
2: that's it and look Right, wrong, or indifferent, okay? I don't care how you feel about baiting. We're in this together. We're all hunting. You can hunt how you want to hunt. If you want to hunt over a feeder or not over a feeder, whatever, dude. we got enough people trying to take our guns and take our hunting rights. Get over it. We're in this together, all right?
1: Um, Armstrong 2024.
2: That's it. So, so, you know, look, feeders in the south, they make or break you a lot of times. And, of course, Feeders play a big part because of where we're at in southwest Mississippi. But the questions I have for you, okay, how do you go about finding out how your deer respond to feeders, whether that's a trough feeder, whether that's a spin feeder, or whether it's a gravity feeder? What are you doing to find out how your deer are going to respond to it? Because, look, some deer prefer one type of feeder, some deer prefer another type. What do you do, and when – do you trial and error? So how do you trial and error? And when do you trial and error?
1: Um, you know, right now as hot as it is, deer are not eating the amount of protein that they will or feed in general because they don't move as much. And it's so hot. I'm hearing that from my clients and I'm seeing it on my cameras too. They're just hot. They're not trying to move a whole lot right now. Um, I think the best time to trial and error is when the deer are the hungriest, Mm. you know, figure out what they're doing. Uh, February and, and, and time pre season. you know, it's, you can you can have a lot of problem if you go stick a feeder out on, you know, two weeks for deer season, you don't know how the deer are going to respond to it. That's right. You can have a lot of problem there. Something I like to do, if it's a new area that I don't know anything about, uh, if there's any trail camera pictures from the previous lessees or owners, take a look if their pictures are in front of what kind of cameras or what they're feeding, ask that's questions. Yeah, that's neighbors. Savvy. Yeah. Neighbors. If the neighbors are using a boss buck feeder or spin feeder, whatever they're using, Guess what? The deer are already used to them.
2: So if you got a neighbor you don't like and you don't want them to kill your deer, lie to them about what feeder you're using. That works.
1: Uh, you see, see the outlaw's coming out at eh? him. But uh, yeah, so so local knowledge. Uh, and look, I'm gonna say most places in Southwest Mississippi and in Louisiana, they've seen some type of feeder. Now you can do all this stuff, and some of them. This is I've seen it in high fences. I've seen it in low fences. Whatever some of them ain't gonna walk up to the feeder most of the time. That's just how they're. And some of them are dummies. Some of them will walk up to it the first day you put it out, first hour you put it out. Every one of them is different. Caleb said this earlier today, personalities, everyone's personality is different, but that's the stuff that you can do early season right now is figuring out like we're going to check these, uh, salt licks in a little bit. Like we're about to learn a lot about these mm-hmm. deer. Hopefully, you know, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to identify these deer and, um, We'll be, uh, ad- identify these deer and start learning their patterns. Cause this is on a track, uh, we're going to check them on where Caleb hunted last year. And, uh, you know, we know these deer are there, but we don't know a lot about them. They're right. not like the track where I've killed the deer the last two years, Caleb and I hunted so much last year. I know a lot about those deer, where they come, but this is fun and we're learning and every place is different. And, uh, I'll tell you right now, I've got a spin feeder out and a boss buck feeder out with protein in it that I can see on my revealed trail camera. And guess what? They ain't hardly touching that boss buck. Now, the dose, there's one pretty good buck. I can't tell what he is yet. Come to the spin feeder, but it's not... It probably ain't gonna be where we kill the deers over that spin feeder.
2: That's exactly right. And I had one on that track last year. Yeah. And they didn't I didn't even have nighttime pictures of a good buck at that spin feeder last year. They're just
1: that they're just not doing it. Now, I did see from the property line the neighbor has some boss bucks and I know one other neighbor has some big spin feeders. I don't think that those big deer that we're getting on camera are gonna be killed over any type of feeder based off of what I've seen now i think those deer will be killed um uh over a you know on a trail a crossing or probably on one of those food plots or and probably a trailer crossing coming and going from one of those food plots we're building that's what i think there's a couple little transition zones to um little bottlenecks and stuff that, that they could something um Something else we didn't even bring up, like on that track, I wish that we're cutting it now, but look like I'm gonna get some timber cut in August. It's looking like when it's gonna get cut, so that's gonna throw another wrench into things. It ain't the end of the world, but uh, you know, it will disturb and change things for a little bit, right? So uh, that's gonna be something else we have to deal with, but I need to get the timber cut, and it is what it is. Um, But feeders in general, trial and error, man, do your homework, figure out what they like. I like to start my feeders with corn no matter what time it is. Cause look, deer eat corn. I don't care. They like corn. So start with corn. And, uh, you know, before you start protein, cause deer have a learning curve with eating protein. So, uh, if you get them right out of a feeder start it with corn, then slowly mix in maybe one feeling, fill it, uh, you know, 80, 20 corn protein, and then go to 70, 30. So, you know, and, then, and eventually you can get to straight protein, but man, uh, uh, Deer that has never eaten protein, they not, they're not they not naturally going to eat pellets mm-hmm. most yeah. of the time.
2: And another thing, too, you know, I can see where because deer have all these different personalities and that makes them what they are, it'll probably change year to year. You know, if you your your big five-year-old that you're hunting this year, once you kill him, the four-year-old up-and-comer, he may be totally different and polar opposite. So don't get lazy. Mm-hmm. Be versatile and be willing to adapt and put the work in. And and you know I, I feel just like you'll kill more. Case
1: in point, where I killed last year with a deer we were hunting. We had two additional stands we had put up, and I'd been hunting that spot for years. Mm-hmm. But we put up two different and ended up killing on the spot. in The first sit and stand, Caleb and I hung. So um, that is a uh, that is uh, you know you, you never get lazy. Figure it out you know I've been hunting this place for ten years, and I hung those stands to kill those deer on a different wind. Um, you know later. For this episode, we're working on Hunter's going to put on a kill. I had on seven year old Buck, big eight here in Southwest Mississippi, cut him in the morning. And it was a trial and error thing. Uh, I figured out that these deer didn't mind eating at this barn. And so I had a feeder out there. And sure enough, a big seven-year-old deer in the morning came. I had a cell can up, so I was watching when hogs came. I went in there at 4 a.m. and got in the stand. So it didn't get lazy. Trial and error. And so these are the things. We're practicing what we're preaching here. But go ahead with your your next questions, Caleb.
2: Number two, food plots. A lot of people, you know, their food plots, one thing I want to talk about, size. Look, there's good with having small food plots but there's also good with having big food plots a lot of it depends on how big the track you're on you know what size is it it 60 acres is it 600 because that's going to ultimately depend on how big your food plot's going to be allowed to be you know the terrain is also going to come into effect but let's talk about food you know right now you've planted a summer plot okay what are you planning when do you plant and how how do you determine you know Whenever I say when, I'm being very specific, not just month, right? I'm talking about weather, all right? So go into detail about what you're planting in the summer, ultimately what you're going to plant in the fall, and why, what, you know, the difference in your big plot and then in your small plot.
1: So a lot of question there, a lot of question. Okay, size, first of all, oh, bigger is better. I'm just, I'm i I'm a, i agree. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bigger, better, Uh, bigger, better food plots. Work what you got. You know, I've got a 10-acre field in my front yard that I made. Not everybody can do that. Uh, Your terrain a lot of times doesn't allow you to Mm -hmm. do that. But first of all, a couple things. When we're talking about food plots, first of all, groceries for deer. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can create what your neighbor doesn't have, and let's say your neighbor doesn't have any two, three, four, five-acre food plots. So if you can create what your neighbor doesn't have, you can get deer to come to your plot that he can't get especially if you treat it right so you have the groceries you know if you, you got to have enough acreage to have enough groceries to bring in the girls so you know we'll bring in the bring in the bucks during the rut and those bucks will know that they can go get a full belly and over years and generations you know the the, the bigger deer from larger areas will know if they come there they're going to get a full belly and they're going to be able to find a girlfriend so
2: so more likely to live on your place rather than just traverse through
1: it well i, w- I would say and more likely to traverse because if his home range for his whole life, you know, is two miles away, but he's been over to your place a couple of times and, you know, hey, man, they gave me a little pressure over here. I know where I can go get plenty of food and plenty of girls. You know, he may end up home in there. Maybe right. they cut some timber over there or maybe somebody moves in a house close to there. So, you, you know, but big, bigger is better. I'm not saying you can't kill them. And I, I look, I'm, I'll say this. I don't agree with anybody who says smaller better, and I know people that do that know how to kill deer. I disagree, but I hey, that that's your opinion. My opinion is bigger is better. Now we got to be able to kill these deer, especially for bow hunting. Mm. Rifle hunting not that big a deal. I've got that ten acre field. That's not a field that we hunt. I mean, we do, but not really. Got it for a dove field. I got it for a big field. I can have a lot of food in. Uh, to keep a lot of deer on my place. And I like seeing deer coming in. Y'all have seen them deer in our driveway. I just like that. The kill plots are, are two to three acres. You know, I got right. them on both ends of the place. And that's how I set up a lot of places. So, um, you know, so bigger better. Um, as far as what we're planning. Now, um, you know, if if you're going all out and you're saying, I want to feed my deer good. I want to do everything. Man, uh, you know. Anytime May and on When you got some good rain coming You got your soil ready Get it planted Uh, You know I like that Bachelor pad product That I talked about earlier You know Cow peas alleys, Clover Joint bets Good product Soybeans are good but uh, deer seem to go to soybeans faster, and it's harder to get them up. So you better have plenty of acres or put an exclusion fence. An exclusive fence right. is always good. Now, if you notice, this is the first year I planted peas out there. The deer, I've been out there looking every day. The deer have not figured out what they are yet. Pretty normal. Same product next year once the deer figure them out. They're they, going to have a hard time. Yeah. Getting, I'll probably have to plant all 10 acres right there. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, sometimes you can overwhelm the deer with have so much. Yeah, they'll eat a lot of them, but they're just growing faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that joint vetch and that alace clover, it should take the browse a little better than the peas and stuff do. If y'all hear Rafe in the background, he just really wants to be on the podcast. But he can't talk yet, so it's tough. That's right. Yeah. Now, talk about
2: the difference. Okay, so just from my experience last year, what worked in Missouri didn't work here. And Vice versa,
1: yes. We're so so what I've been talking about thus far is uh is basically here in southwest Mississippi, you know, when you got ag fields and, and 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 things like that, totally different, you know, totally different, a lot a lot the same, but a totally different as far as size of food plots and all that kind of totally stuff. Yeah. Um, as far as product now, as far as uh, you know, what I just talked about it's more summer and of course you can use those plots to kill deer early season but once we get the first frost you know those those products are gone uh in the fall i like to have something and we'll go back to your question on the midwest in the fall i like to have something in my area um the big three uh it's actually a product called big three from backwoods is uh ryegrass oats and wheat you're gonna have a green plot it's gonna come up and deer are gonna like it mm-hmm. now not some of that stuff is not as nutritious. They have the product called Big Three Plus Clover. They have red clover and white clover. That's a great product. Um, some people's deer, a lot of places that I hunt don't, but some people's deer will eat the brassicas. They come in like the trophy acre and sugar rush and something like that. My deer aren't crazy about it. Never have eaten the brassicas a whole lot. Now, Missouri Crush. Oh. That sugar rush. You would Ryan see fifty deer in one hunt?
2: Yeah, it was like thirty something deer in the food plot at one time. Yeah,
1: like count them at one time. And this was a two acre food plot. Yeah. And 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 dude, and everywhere we planted up there, they absolutely murder the trophy acre in the sugar rush. And what that is is uh turnips, uh sugar beets, uh rape, that kind of stuff. They love it. Uh, so different, and, and look, I'm sure in Kentucky it may be different, and I'm sure in eastern Colorado it may be different, you know. But but you know these are the places we hunt, so that's what we're talking about. Um,
2: so just like corn, figure out what works. Mm-hmm. Just like with feeders, trial and error, figure out what works for that spot.
1: Going back to the feeding, I forgot to mention something. Okay, in Mississippi, it has to come out of a feeder to be mm-hmm. legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why we talk about feeders so much. Now, if you're just teaching deer. Look, nothing—deer love rice bread and corn right on the ground. So if you don't—if you can do that legally in your state, that's how you get them there first. That's a fact. <laughs> that, that's they, 100% fact. And, and I'll tell you this about baiting, since we're talking about it. Spread out corn versus in a pile— Deer like better. It's more natural for them to be feeding in something scattered out. So keep that in mind. They won't
2: eat it as fast.
1: Right, right. And it, and it's more natural for them. And it's better from a CWD standpoint. You know, they're feeding more naturally than not all in one spot. And if you do get a rain or anything like that, it's not all getting wet in one spot. You know, it's, it's Molding more, and stuff. Right, more yeah. natural. Um, and if you're trying to get a shot, you know, they've been moving around a little
2: more. That's
1: it. That's it. But um, anyway, um, our guy told me, yeah yeah, yeah. got told me one time but anyway uh the um going back to the food plots but i definitely look look you can plant the best product or whatever like that if it don't come up and it ain't green and dairy ain't coming to it so that's why i like the big three plus clover uh dixie six is what we planted here at the house last year now, i forget what all dixie six has in it but it's got it's got uh it's got a little rye a little wheat Little oats, and it's got a couple, it's got some rape, it, it's a it's a really good product, and if I had to say what my clients in the South like the best of the Backwoods line, Dixie Six is probably it. That's the one I get more, uh, that's the one I get more comments on than anything. Hey, I love the Dixie Six, it works good, so uh, apparently it's working for people. Um, As far as, you talked about when to plant, okay. Um, Specifically, and, look,
2: and I'm asking based on like weather.
1: Okay. Okay, let's, let's take summer, winter. No, I do not put seed in the ground and cover it unless there's good rain in the forecast. Exactly. Don't, you're wasting so, yeah. your time. Now, there's some people out there that may work offshore or only have this weekend to plant. I mean, you can risk it, but if you don't have any rain in the forecast, that sea, if you don't have extremely good soil moisture or that seed doesn't get wet, is not going to germinate. And if it does have enough to germinate and then you don't get rain, the deer are going to nip it off or you're going to die. And that's more with summertime stuff. It, it can apply to wintertime stuff. And the reason I say that is t- winter, typically you get more you know more rain um
2: now we didn't plan here last year till like october 15th
1: which is pretty normal for yeah. me so so let me tell you why I'm, I'm actually gonna do it a little earlier this year because i'm doing some of this summer and and look my house right here at the hunting land man testing grounds i'm more than anything i'm testing so i know that the products that i recommend on this podcast and on this show and to my clients is stuff that works look we we if a guy comes to me with a sponsorship tomorrow and it's something that I'm not going to recommend my client, clients and it doesn't work, I'm not going to even take the sponsorship because.
2: We've actually done that.
1: Yeah, that's not, it's just, it doesn't work for us. Um, so anyway, uh, now typically, and I'm talking about here, right here in Southwest Mississippi and it probably anywhere in the SEC, uh, where um, I like to plant my fall stuff. About October 10th or later. Let me tell you why. First of all, army worms Don't usually have to worry about them. That's when all the farmers plant their ryegrass. And who knows more about planting than all of us deer hunters? The farmers. That's kind of the rule. We don't plant our ryegrass. Now, a lot of times if you got some rain in the forecast, you can get in there. You can get in there in September and get it done. You know, middle or late September, you're probably okay. But sometimes you're going to get bit dry weather or or mainly with army worms. Uh, didn't have armyworm problems last year. Have not heard of any this year. Two years ago, they were the worst they've ever been throughout the country. But um, you know, the, the it's 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 a delicate situation because if you can get them in on September the tenth and get some rain and stuff, oh man, those first two weeks of bow season, they, they coming in good. Deer coming in good. You're not having to get in there and do yeah, anything. Yeah. Um, vice versa. If you don't, if you just go clip your field and there's natural clovers and things out there that they're eating, and you got some feed in the field, you know a feeder in the field, most of us do. They're still coming out there. Not not a lot's changed. Do you know the game? They know when those tractors and stuff start coming and disking and you know hey something's going on here but anyway uh there's some also saying that when you go disc that field something about that fresh dirt y'all ever notice that good they lord love don't matter dirt. if it's a dozer or a disc they love that fresh dirt they yeah. come to see what's going on mm-hmm. but um but you know if you get out there and you disc uh you know so, say you get your ground ready the first couple weeks of october and then you plant october 10th 15th whenever you see the um whenever you see the rain in the forecast you're usually pretty good you know and typically that middle october like that our acorns start falling a lot so the deer have some other things to eat now hunting wise it can get a little tougher but um you know cool fronts in october even in southwest mississippi are really good to hunt like, you know if you got a deer patterned he'll he'll maybe daylight you know in a cold uh first cold front in october something like that still if i had to pick velvet season of course that's a new thing but typically in southwest mississippi or louisiana that first couple of days of October, man, I've killed, that's when me, that's when a bunch of big, big buck killers kill their deer.
2: They're still on those feed patterns yep. and bachelor groups. And, and if
1: you treat them right, you're the only thing that can affect them. Let the weather get right, let the wind get right. It takes one day to kill them and one day to spook them. That, I can't say that. I need that on a T-shirt. It takes one day to kill them and one day to spook them. Case in point, uh, Kansas last year. We went in on them two giants in one day and we killed them. Could have killed both of them. Now we went hunting the day before. We really weren't hunting them. Uh, we weren't in the area. And we got to let the wind get right. Boom. Two years ago, I was hunting a big deer I killed, uh big wide deer I killed uh, right down the road. Uh, we waited until the first north wind, which was October 5th and 6th. So I didn't go hunting the first five days. On October 5th and 6th, I, uh, I went in there both those days with a north wind and I ended up killing that deer. So you just, I mean, I went hunting. Went and shot a doe or a hog or something somewhere. I went hunting, but I didn't go hunt the deer uh, that I was hunting. I let him get right. Then we slid in there and we killed him because you can spook him or kill him. I'd rather kill him.
2: All right. So let's talk about number three, cameras. First thing I want to say, if you're not using a sale camera, it's about like if you're not using a feeder. All right. You're backing up tremendously because there's so much value in knowing what's going on on your property, right here in the palm of your hand. Um, Speaking of. Now, okay, we use Reveal. Obviously, you know, they work with us through the TV show and everything. But really and truly, they have a great product. I don't know if it's the best because I haven't used all the other cameras, but it's dang good and it works like a charm, especially with that solar panel. Um, my question with cameras, different times of the year. Right now, we're at the end of June. We're in the middle of the summer. Where are you putting your cameras opposed to like uh, whenever you're getting fresh inventory after deer season in February? Where are you putting them in the middle of the rut? You know, are you taking them off your feeders, putting them on trails? Talk about where you're putting your cameras on different times of the year so that you can kind of figure these deer out.
1: Um. Well, okay, let's just go. Let's, let's start at the first. Okay, after, let's start after deer season. We'll go into deer season. All right. So, so February, I wonder who made it who made it what they're doing and and a lot of times in the south you're going to have some kind of secondary rut and and you're going to get uh the cameras caleb and i did uh last year we went and put up three and basically was just on trails uh where we know deer you know we're feeding across in a ditch or something like that that works because because you know i'm taking usually inventory for several weeks right and i don't have to have like Right in your face. You know, you just got to walk That's by. That's kind
2: of when you don't necessarily have to have a cell camera.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of times I don't have them. You know, I just put my other cameras there. Um, the, uh, and then, um, so you know who made it. You know, tip, if I had to say when cameras are least important, when their horns fall off till about right now. Yeah. Okay, so, so... Uh, right now is when we're starting to figure everything out right now is when i've got them on salt licks and feeders figuring these deer out crossings if there's a specific deer i'm trying to target which i've enjoyed more the last couple couple of years than any time in my life i don't know it's just fun to get a deer and figure them out and you kind of and especially with these cell cameras you get personal with them mm-hmm. like Whenever you're looking at your wife and your kids in the bed going to sleep at night and you're looking at your buck, he's he's kind of part of your family. Um, But he's really good to eat for the family too. Um, But I mean that. Like the difference in going click, 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 click click on your computer versus looking at him every day, one or two, four, four or five pictures, on your phone, I don't know. You just learn more about him because then you're like, oh, my gosh, he's moving a lot tonight. Why is that? Then you go look at the moon face. Then you go look at the wind. Exactly. Like, like you, all that stuff. I I tell you this, and I'm not the only guy listening. If somebody's listening to this and this applies to them, please put a comment on YouTube or put a comment on um, on social media right here. You can put this on social media. I bet I'm not the only guy who wakes up in the middle of the night and checks his, checks his trail, trail cameras. Now, I'm not talking about this time of year, but during deer, deer season when it's like the rut or or right before opening day or something, if I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, roll over in the bed, my brain goes, I wonder if he's standing there. And I, I'll go look. Yeah. And I'm not the only one who does that. Oh, no, absolutely not. Mm-mm. And uh, I've done it before. I've, uh, I have remember years ago when cell cameras first came out, I was hunting this big deer uh, right down the road down here and I was self-filming and I woke up at like 4 a.m., probably used bathroom or something. And uh, I saw he was there. And I knew that if he was there, he wouldn't be there till after daylight. He would probably go away. I got up, took my bath, got my hunting clothes on, and I sat there out 150 yards from where I was going in. And when he walked away, I slid in and got up in the stand and he actually came in right before daylight and left before I get enough enough camera lights shoot. But it was like perfect, you know, and I had a really good trail. I could slip in with very minimal noise and I had raked the trail. And, uh, I remember thinking like, Oh, these cell cameras. And that was when it was a text message. You know, it was like, it was not like really good stuff. Mm. Like the like the reveals and things are and all the apps now, but um. So right now we're getting inventory. We're figuring out where these deer are going, what salt licks to be focusing on, where like like and a lot of, like budget. You know, okay. So if you know, okay, there's no shooters over here. You're probably not a time time budget and money budget maybe into that food plot or that right. summer food plot or that feeder because you know I've got a folk. I've only got blank number of dollars and time to spend. I'm gonna spend it over here where all the shooters are. Mm. Uh, you know, deer from right now until October are the easiest time to figure out who's around the bachelor groups and things like that. Cause once you get them coming to a salt lick or our feed, they're it. coming, Yeah, they're coming and you get a lot of pictures of them and it's fun. You, you know, the big bachelor groups, a lot of times you'll have several big deer in a bachelor group, um, or hope you do. And that's what I'm hoping to find today. Uh, and then of course, as we get into hunting season, um, of course, where we're hunting them, where we're killing them. Look, most, most all of our cameras are up. First first and foremost, food plots and, and um, feeders. Uh, secondly, scrapes or a trail coming to a spot like that.
2: And that's more of like pre-rut going into post-rut right. later in the season.
1: So so we did that last year with a deer, that big deer we were hunting. We're trying to figure out where they're coming from uh okay he was here he he comes here a lot he must be living over here you're trying to pinpoint and, and you know how do you get him in front of the camera well in the pre and stuff you put it on a scrape put it on a really good trail uh the scrapes probably better because you, you know you know the bucks coming by there um and uh you know we and when you do all that we knew where that deer was coming and where did he come from when i killed him the other direction the, uh, yeah yeah, all so, so, so you so you never know. But it was the peak of the rut, so who knows where he was that night.
2: Yeah, and pay attention to those little things. Like with a cell camera, you've got the luxury mm-hmm. to be able to check moon phase, wind. And look, you may be sitting there thinking, you know, you got this deer coming every night to your feeder, all right, and just waiting on that north wind, waiting on that north wind. Well, if you've got, a you know, two or three pictures of hot weather and it's a south wind and he's showing up at that feeder – you probably want to go on a south wind, actually. Yeah,
1: you, you, you know, yeah.
2: just move your stand to the other side or if something. If you
1: can get away with it, Yeah. You know? And this, here's another point early season bringing up. Now, something I do around here uh, with the product Cray from Backwoods, and look, this stuff works. I'm not just pushing the product. This stuff works. I use it. They've both seen me use it bunches of times. So, like, this time of year when I'm going to fill those feeders, there's a bottle of Crave in the back of my truck right now. I'm going to spray it around the feeder on these places, I've been doing this for years. So they know that that crave smell means fresh feed. So when we go hunting and our wind's a little bit iffy, we spray it all over our boots and all up in the tree. In fact, the big deer I killed two years ago, you can see the, there's a bottle of crave in the tree blocking the shot (laughs) for a second. Uh, But that's, you know, the little things like that you can do when you're conditioning your deer feeders and food plots this time of year. Um, But uh, you know, Uh, we said we're putting them on um we're putting the cameras on feeders food plots scrapes um you know that's really about it for me uh you know i've gotten here especially in the midwest and and some uh some in the south now to scrape trees you know to uh like put out in the middle of a food plot around uh, my hunting spots they're fun uh you get a lot of you know deer come to them you can get some unique pictures i like that um But primarily, I'm putting mine in and around food sources uh, or transitioning into food sources. And I really want to know, my cameras during the fall are, uh, I've got inventory. My cameras during the fall is how can I kill him?
2: That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, you got different goals, different times of the year for your inventory. And it goes back to those little details, right? When you're taking inventory, don't just think, okay, well, he showed up here this night. So look at why. Why was he here at night? And look, at maybe two different cameras, right? If he's 400 yards away from the feeder on a scrape, okay, in the daylight on a certain barometric pressure and wind, and then he's showing up, you know, totally different at the feeder, look at the difference because th- that could tell you where he is all the other times to narrow down his living room. That's know?
1: right. And it's, it, it's just fun when you're trying to figure these deer out and all the stuff and – God, it's just fun. I, I get fired up even, even thinking about. It. I, I can't wait to go check those trail cameras today. Um, all right, Caleb, what was your next question? We did feeders, food plots. What was the next? That was the third. That was the cameras. The, oh, cameras. Okay, okay. Well, um, I had me a little list of things too. I did the uh, I did the real estate report. We talked about the summer plot. Uh, minerals. Look, don't overthink minerals. Lick and grow. Um, from backwoods it smells really good um and it's got a lot of the same stuff that like a trace mineral block or things like that if you're gonna feed them minerals don't just feed them the white salt blocks feed them trace minerals that way you're doing good for your deer not just attracting them um i think you know if you buy like the backwoods and there's some other companies that make good stuff you know the deer may come to them a little more because they're a little sweeter they're designed for that now you can go put a cattle mineral block out and it works Uh, they may not come to it as much um, hit cancel on that printer over there, Hunter. We're printing something I out of here. Was
2: the error. I didn't know what in the world that was.
1: Um. So that that's it on minerals. I think minerals this time of year are an easy way for you to get some inventory on some deer. Um. And I talked about you know if you're going to do some food plot road, road work, uh, timber cutting, anything like that, good time of the year to do it right now. It's that way you can focus on more deer stuff. Something we're going to be doing. Uh, here pretty quick. We got some Titan blinds we're going to be putting up uh, and I've got some uh Novic stands that I'll be putting up, um, you know, just getting stuff ready for the fall, man. Because, you know, once it gets September, you know, we'll be going elk hunting and we'll be getting food plots and stuff ready. So if you can take care of this, some of this stuff now, you're not saying, dang, I forgot to hang that stand for South Wind over here, you know. Um, I, be I got kind of an idea being that we're coming to the end of this podcast. Um, uh, Caleb, you've been on the podcast several times and I've asked you the $100 million question before. But now I'm going to ask it to you different. All right, Caleb, you're in the lottery and you win $100 million clean, you get $100 bucks, and you got to buy where we sell the most Southwest Mississippi and into Felicianas. What are you buying?
2: Uh, Changes. I, I tell you this. That track that you want, and I won't tell anybody where it is or what it is, but that track you want is dang good. Right over there? It's, yeah, it's a little bit of both, mm-hmm. you know? And so you get more tags, but you're on the same property. Um, I I really like, you know, the closer. That's a Wilkinson their, County property he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, Wilkinson well. County. Yeah, I would definitely be in Wilkinson County. Uh, you know, I think that there's probably better investment value there because you're a little bit closer to Baton Rouge long term. Dude's uh, got
1: $100 million. He's investing still.
2: Yeah, well, you know, you, if you got $100 million, you can always have more. You know, you don't want to just blow it. But, uh, yeah, I really like Wilkinson County. Now, look, I love that Natchez area, too. Mm-hmm. Natchez has become my home. I love that area. So, for ducks, deer, and turkeys, I'd probably go find me a place over there where I could have a little bit of everything. You could buy, buy all
1: of Southside.
2: I would buy every square inch of it. A hundred percent, I would.
1: You'd That's kill, where I was going with it. You'd kill a lot of ducks, a lot of turkeys, and a lot of big bucks. Yeah, so and I, and I, I would be your very much friend. Yeah,
2: yeah, I would buy all the south side. That's a jam up place. I really like that place. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: would you have to go get in some? I guess you get flood ground there. So you you yeah, you, you, you get some flood ground. Yeah, there. you get some flood ground. Yeah, there. I
2: get I, that way. I could have my gumbo mud on my boots. Feel mm-hmm. like I'm hunting back home. Um, outside of that. And I don't know. I'd probably buy some some farm ground to have some residual income. Um, oh, and you
1: got that on Southside.
2: That's true. You need to win too. the lottery. I do need to win the lottery. That'd be a good thing for just Earth. That'd yeah. be a great thing for, for I, us. I agree.
1: I agree. We could do a podcast on what would you do if you win a hundred million? Winner actually win the guy actually wins hundred million. That's right. That's right. So if it happens, you'll see it here. That's right. Well, anything else? Did we miss anything, Hunter? Caleb.
2: Not
1: that I can think of. All right. Um, before we get off, um, Hunter is going to be filming where you were filming last year. You know all, all of our spots. We drew. A, I don't. know. I haven't talked about this yet. Okay. So I drew a Kansas tag and I drew an Iowa tag this year, and we got our stuff in Missouri, of course. Uh, and then we're going elk hunting too. And we're hunting around here. It's going to be a busy fall. Caleb's going to be. Caleb's going to be doing writing a lot hulling of contracts and holding down the fort. Uh what should hunter be the most excited about?
2: Have you ever been, you've been elk hunting, so you, you you can't be too fired up about your first experience there. Now, I'll tell you, Kansas is something special. I mean, it is, I promise you've never seen anything like that. Now, I've never been to Iowa, but I'd be pretty pumped up about that too. That's be fun. Special.
1: Iowa is just, it's like the spots we've hunted in Missouri on steroids. Okay. That's, that's it. It's, yeah. it's just like, it's like the next level of Missouri. Yeah. You know, it's, you, it's Missouri with no rifles.
2: You should be fired up about Kansas probably above everything else. I was going to say maybe if you were going to elk hunting, you know, if you'd never heard that bugle or something, but you've been there and done that. So, Kansas. Kansas is something different. That's a different
1: breed. Well, first of all, we're going uh, going to be in uh, elk country in not too long. Hope you all been working out and running. You know, I'm just saying, who's going to carry the boats and the logs? Because I've been doing it. I mean, you're saying <laughs> but uh, the uh, Who's going to carry the elk And the rice brand The The um We've got that we got that elk hunt But before we do that We're going in a couple of weeks And we're going to film And do a podcast up there We're going to Iowa Actually where we're going to be hunting uh, With the UC Hunting Properties crew And Expedition Land Management crew And we're going to be looking At some of the spots we're hunting And man I've already been seeing some videos I'm super excited Because Curtin and Curtin them live and breathe it. That's why me and Kurt hit it off so much. When they live and breathe it like we do down here. Up there, they're not just. They just they just they love. get a
2: little like almost nerdy with it. Like oh, it's kind right. of cool. Well,
1: we get nerdy with it too. You know that's what yeah. I'm saying? So they they get with it. so. I I can't wait to learn. You know, because there's so much we can learn from each other, especially all the knowledge, because they're like me up there in the fact of I have so many clients and places I've worked on that you you know, you, you gather knowledge from a lot of places. Trial and error. Trial and error. And, and you're not having to do it just yourself with your clients mm-hmm. and, and people that are doing it. And they're doing the same with their land management. You know, hey, this is working over here. This is working over here. Man, did you hear what he's doing? That's definitely working. Mm-hmm. And so I get to go pick his brain for a couple of days. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. In typical... White Shades fashion. I told him, I said, look, Kurt, I know that y'all are all hunting 200s and 190s. You know, that's what they do because they live up there. I said, look, you know that 150, 160? He comes to the field every day and y'all don't even hardly stop on the camera. I said, you just put me right there. I'll be out of your hair first afternoon. Cram done
2: i didn't think twice about it
1: just smoke him and i tell you what kirk can, or any of them can kill a mark kenneth any of them can kill a 200 the same day and their smile won't be any bigger on their faces than me it's a fact all right well we will to get out of here hunter uh if you'll hit that blue button y'all have a blessed day we're going to look at some land and check some trail cameras Hey, thank you for listening to the Hunt Land Man podcast. If you will, take a moment, give us a five-star written review, guys. This really helps us out. And if you know anybody you think will be interested in this podcast, please share it with them.